Welcome to Teach Languages Online, the podcast dedicated to bringing you the best advice about your online teaching business. I'm Lindsay Williams, an online language teacher from the UK, and I'm your host. Now, each episode, before we begin, as always, I like to recommend something to you. In this episode, I'm inviting you to join the online teaching starter kit. Woo-woo! Um, this is such a huge, huge opportunity really for anyone if you are starting to teach languages online if you've been doing it for a while but want to know where to go next and how to do it the online teaching starter kit has you covered visit lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash otsk to learn more and join the online teaching starter kit and when you do there's also a free training exclusive to check out and give you a little bit more information as well about the whole thing. All right, now let's get into today's show. This episode is kind of a bumper episode, if you like. (laughs) I had an email from Abby who asked a lot of questions, a lot of topics that um, Abby wanted me to discuss on the show. And I thought, I could make these into individual episodes, but also sometimes you just need those short, snappy answers. So that's what we're going to do here today. So I'm going to go through these one by one and um, and yeah, try and do this as, uh, as effectively as possible, I guess. So here we go. Starting off then, the first thing is dealing with conversation lulls in class. The first thing that comes to mind with this is don't feel obliged to always be filling space, right? Some students need that space to form what they want to say and It's also like, it's not your job to constantly be speaking, you know, your job is to guide and to kind of prod a little bit, (laughs) if you like. And sometimes that does include a bit of a lull. But if it is like a real lull, you know, and everyone's kind of sat there with crickets and tumbleweed and all of that, have some sort of activity changes up your sleeve that you can always whip out that always are going to apply. So rather than asking like, what do you think? Which can be really open and lead to lots of kind of, um, I don't know, you know, maybe try giving like a solid statement and then asking, what do you think? So like some people say cows can predict the weather. What do you think? And you think, well, that's ridiculous. They can't. And you're like, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I heard, you know, so that can be really helpful to give more of a statement and then ask a question to just provoke a bit more conversation. Um, catering to over-enthusiastic students. This is the next point on Abby's list. And I feel like, I don't know, over-enthusiastic? Can you be over-enthusiastic learning a language? (laughs) I would say we want to encourage enthusiasm for the language because it's such... a a wonderful thing to to have enthusiasm for so we definitely don't want to like know that down so to speak um but I understand perhaps you know maybe you're meaning like it's sort of over enthusiastic in terms of like constantly breaking boundaries you know asking you stuff too much outside of lesson times in which case I would say reinforce those boundaries so you know you make sure that people know only to email or to contact you however you have the contact during your working hours and don't set those expectations of instant replies. So don't feel like you have to always be in your inbox or every time you know you you first see a message, um, a DM on Instagram that you reply straight away because that just creates an expectation and then people will be more kind of 
overly enthusiastic in that sense, right? Um, if there's also somewhere to redirect people to outside of your kind of lesson times, like a Facebook group, this can be really helpful as well. So if someone comes and they're like, oh, but what about this, 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 you can say, oh, there's a Facebook group. You may want to kind of ask there or you may want to kind of see if anyone else has asked there, you know, um, and just not diminishing the enthusiasm, but just spreading it a little bit could be helpful. Okay, next question is managing calendars. Well, I would say that digital is good, probably going to be Google Calendar. I also like to have a paper one on my desk. So I actively write each appointment down, which really helps me to remember. And I like seeing then kind of a full overview of what's coming up um, in a day, week, in a month. And also a, the big thing in terms of managing calendars is I don't offer calls outside of my working hours, right? If someone keeps pressing me for a certain time that I wouldn't normally do, I have to weigh up. Well, is you know, what's this worth to me? And mostly it's going to be a no. So managing calendar, you want to be managing your kind of schedule and being strict with your kind of working hours of like, these are the times when I have lessons um, so that you know that you're not constantly going to be whew, all over the place. Okay, next question, insuring payments. So I would say in terms of insuring payments, a subscription can work really well. If someone has a regular number of lessons, like they always have a lesson every week um, or they always have two lessons every week or whatever it is, then maybe a subscription and setting that up would be a good way to ensure that the payments come through. Um, PayPal, however, can be kind of eh, not great. So if you do want to be quite firm with this and maybe you don't accept PayPal because it's much easier for people to cancel or request a refund via PayPal. Um, what you are going to want is a Stripe account set up. Um, for the past 18 months, I've actually been using um, software called Thrivecart, which I highly recommend. It's very robust, very easy, does all the things that you want it to do. Um, and then you connect that to your Stripe, right? Um, contracts as well can really help here. You may want to get them checked by a professional if needed. Lawbite is a good, quick UK option with a good turnaround, good prices as well, um, so that you know that you've got it written in, that they're going to pay you and how and when and all of that. Um, and that helps just to give you some backup because generally you know if people have signed that contract they're less likely to then <laughs> not pay you you know um yeah all right next question is breaking the ice in the first session okay so here i would just quite simply in a first session generally i say tell me about yourself right because of course this can be as simple or as complicated as they're able to do but also we love talking about ourselves <laughs> you know um it's often the first thing that we learn as well so most people you know if they've had a bit of experience with the language in the past will be able to at least introduce their name you know and however much further they can go from that helps to give you a bit of a gauge of ability as well um if you've got a group i love things like i think it's called fizzbuzz we used to do this in drama and i'd love to see how this would work on a video call um, but basically you kind of say you would normally be in like a circle and you would stand and you would go fizz, buzz, and you kind of point to someone left or right of you. And then you can change it and go like, boom, and point to someone opposite you or zap, or it doesn't really matter what the words are. And then that person has to then restart the chain kind of going fizz, fizz, buzz, turning the other way, you know? There's variations on this. I'm sure if you Google this, like fizz, buzz, drama game or something, you'll see 
like the proper rules um, and be able to figure out how you can adapt it to video call. But what I like about this is that in a group lesson, doing that same thing that I just suggested for like individuals where it would be like, tell me about yourself. <sighs> That's a lot to ask for a first group lesson to break the ice because some people not going to really feel that confident, especially then if there's someone who is that confident and does know how to respond and has a really big answer. And then someone else is sat there feeling like, oh, no, I'm not meant to be here. I don't know how to say any of that, you know. So you don't really want to have people speaking loads and loads in front of everyone right at the start for various reasons. So something like this is good because everyone's getting to know each other in a more fun, relaxed way with just a few, like three words, essentially. So nice and easy. Next question. Standard professional practices like my post-class document and written notes on Skype. Okay, good news, Abby. There are none. There are no standard professional practices because we are the ones creating these standard professional practices. Now, that's why I always recommend things like making your own resources, right? Because let's start high. Let's start this online teaching industry. I know it's been a few years now, but <laughs> let's start that on a high. Let's let's set those expectations and those standard professional practices at the top, right? Let's just not coast. I'm not here for that. Um, but it really depends in terms of what you specifically do on what you think would be most useful for your students. So some options could be Maybe you send activities in advance. Maybe you have your post-lesson notes with some feedback. Maybe you send some pronunciation audio of new vocab. Maybe you create a flashcard course with all the new words that you learn in each lesson. Maybe you offer additional corrections between lessons, right? All of these ways that you can, you know, add to what you're doing and make like your lessons so much richer for that. Um, but what you do want to do as you do this and as you think, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start to add that, I'm going to make that standard practice for me, remember to consider whatever you include in your prices, right? So don't just think, okay, the price stays the same, but I'm going to add this, 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 and this. Oh, that's a lot of extra work, right? So don't do that. Make sure that you're considering everything and adjusting your prices accordingly. Next question, role-playing versus conversation. So both are important. I don't think there's really a versus here. I would see this as more of an and because with a role play, it's given a chance for those more kind of likely, um, you know, initial real life scenarios, essentially, like you go to the train station to buy a ticket or you go to the restaurant and how do you get a table? How do you order a meal? And there's definitely value in those things. Um, but whereas a conversation tends to be more open often, right? It's less kind of led, less predictable. And there's definitely space for both of those. So I would, yeah, it's an and here for me. Next question, how to really understand a student's topic of interest? Ask, literally just ask, what are you, what are you into? Um, some good questions here um, that can help to do that <laughs> uh, rather than just tell me what you like, is why are you learning, right? This is a great question to kind of dig in a little bit more because that surface reason sometimes have kind of deeper reasons underneath, you know? So ask people why they're learning so that you can really understand where they're coming from and what it means to them. And then also, what do you enjoy outside of language learning? So what else do you enjoy in your life? Like, do you go to any other sports clubs or, you know, are you living in the country and you've just started going to... um a particular restaurant once a week and you want to know 
everything on their menu? Can you bring a photo of the menu to the lesson? That kind of thing. And I think as well, when you just spend time together on a regular basis, you'll pick up what they're about. You know, you'll pick up what they're interested in. Um, and that's going to then help you to shape future lessons for sure. Next question. Should you agree to reschedule last minute? So I would say that this links back to the standard professional practices that we're set in. I tend to say 24 hours notice needed. Um, I'm, you know, I just can't be messing around having people cancel at the last minute. Um, if someone asks to cancel or reschedule less than that, so like less than 24 hours in advance of a lesson, then they have to pay the cost of that session and any rescheduled lessons would be an additional cost, right? Because you can't plan anything else in that time that you've had set aside for them. On the other hand, if it's you, if it's you as the teacher that needs to reschedule, then you're going to need to set your own rules on that. And I like when they're the same. So kind of thinking, you know, you tell me 24 hours in advance and I'll tell you 24 hours in advance. Of course, though, there's going to be times when this maybe isn't possible. I don't know, you've had a car crash, you have to go to the hospital or whatever. There's exceptions, right? And we're all human and we all kind of understand that, I think. Um, but that's something that you would then want to have outlined in the contract as you as you share that at the beginning. If you then, of course had to cancel within 24 hours so you know if you were the one that had to cancel you could just add that lesson back to the package so that they don't pay I feel like that's the fair thing to do next question should you use a textbook or a structured resource for certain students sometimes yeah sometimes definitely it's really going to depend on the student it's going to depend on their needs their level your style of teaching um you know what you prefer and how you prefer to teach there's a lot of variables. It's definitely not a, you must use a textbook. You must use this one method, this one course. Like there's there's a lot of beauty in the kind of free-flowing lessons as well. So just being open to discovering your style and how you best prefer to teach. Next question. Does total physical response work for Skype sessions? It definitely can do. Whether you want to is going to depend <laughs> because you'll know your own teaching style, the students that you're working with. I feel like this is something very good for um, children that you could incorporate that total physical response. I think we've done an episode of um, Teach Languages Online on total physical response. So I will link back to that in the show notes if my memory <laughs> serves me right. And we have done that episode. Um, all right. Yeah. Next question. How to approach complete beginners and help them transition to speaking French? Okay. So the first thing is you want to find their motivation. You want to encourage them to learn outside of lessons, right? Not just in the time that they're with you. So how can you bring in what's motivating them into that so that they aren't just like feeling forced to learn outside of lessons so that it's more fun and it is enjoyable for them? And remind them as well from the very, very beginning that no one is a complete beginner. So I like to have a lesson with cognates at the very start just to show people how much they can already say you know hotel taxi pizza all of these things that might be you know obvious to us as teachers it's like oh yeah it's just an easy vocab word but actually can be a real confidence boost for people who are starting and feeling a bit rabbit in headlights you know um, and also start speaking with students and encouraging them to speak from first lesson even if it's just individual words just getting that into being a habit so it doesn't suddenly become one day I have to speak. I'm so scared, right? Next question. Do you make promises or give a fluency timeline to students who want a number on it? Nope, absolutely not. And 
The reason is that those results will only be in part influenced by you, right? It is on the learner to determine how much time they can give to the language and therefore what they expect they can achieve, right? You're just a part of that. So it is not your responsibility to say, I'll get you to B2 in six weeks or anything like that. No, absolutely not. Unless you're like living in their house (laughs) and like definitely can guarantee their every move for every minute of the day, right? But you probably can't. So no, don't, don't make any promises. Next question, teaching children versus teaching adults. Very, very different. It is worth trying both if you're unsure. So if you thinking, "Mm, would I be best teaching children or maybe adults? Because some people do prefer one or the other, but others are happy with with either, you know. Um, So it's really worth just considering and deciding where you feel that your strengths lie. When and should you specialize? For example, children, DELF or DELF or other exams, conversations and spoken French. So I would say that once you've got a few lessons under your belt, you'll begin to establish what you enjoy teaching, right? And there's three core elements to this that matter most, right? So this, you know, specialization is kind of like picking a niche. And the three things that matter here is what you enjoy, what you're good at, and what people want and need. And if you can find something that crosses all three of those, then you are golden, right? Because you're going to enjoy your work, you're going to be good at your work, and there's going to be people that are willing to pay you for your work, right? Because they want and need it. Um, So yeah, once you get that kind of little sweet spot in the middle, then then you're set. But you don't, there's no, there's no rush to do this. Um, And there's certainly not a necessity to do this, right? Your specialization, I've seen people where this is like really specific and then other times when it's really broad and then other times when there is no specialization, there is no niche and that's fine too. So don't get hung up on it. But if you find that there's something you're doing more of and that you're enjoying more, then maybe that's a sign you should go for that. Next question. Should you allow for recordings of the class or even actively encourage students to do so? What about sharing of such recordings on a public space like YouTube? So, yes, I would say definitely allow recordings. Um, Just make sure that (laughs) that they know as well. You could also record the lessons yourself as long as, like I say, as long as the students know and offer that as an extra so that, yes, we have this live lesson, but you also get a recording. I record it for you and I upload it to this space that you have with all the recordings and stuff. Um, That's a really good addition for some for some students. Um, Sharing, uh, especially if it's public on something like YouTube. I'd be wary only with permission of the students, like written permission, right? So get them to sign something. Um, I definitely wouldn't share every lesson on something like YouTube as well, but you could maybe pre-warn students that one lesson will be recorded and you can use that as promotion then. Um, But yeah, not every lesson because then like, what are your students paying for? You know, if it's all just going to be out there for, for free for everyone to see. Next question. Should you consider forming a small team of teachers under a collective blog or company? So, yeah, perhaps. But this is a huge, huge step, a huge decision um, to form a small team of, of teachers. So definitely a lot of considerations there before you think about that. And I believe this is the final question. Yes, it is. How to approach more specialized requests like literary analysis, introduction to translation, etymology, French history, etc.? My answer here is very simple. If you can do it, do it. If not, don't do it, right? 
don't feel obliged don't feel that you're a french teacher so you have to know everything about all all the french right that's no you don't don't feel obliged if it is your strength then yeah definitely by all means go for it but no don't feel that you have to say yes essentially to every request all right Thank you for listening to this episode. You've been listening to Teach Languages Online, the podcast dedicated to bringing you the best advice about your online teaching business. I've been Lindsay Williams, an online language teacher from the UK. And remember, I recommended to you about the online teaching starter kit at the beginning of this show. If you do want to learn more, you can visit lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash OTSK and everything you need to know will be right there for you. Any questions, feel free to reach out to me over on Instagram. I'm at Lindsay Does Languages or email me at lindsay at doeslanguages.com and I look forward to speaking to you again soon in the next episode. All right, bye.